0: So we're starting a new series called uh, today called This Is Us. This Is Us. And really what the series is about is we want to come to Jesus. We want to come to God's Word and say, what is the church? Because last I checked is that the church, with all of her warts and with all of her difficulties and with all of her tensions, the church is still Jesus' plan A for the world. And therefore, when we come under that when we try and say jesus how are you shaping us what ought we be then we can say of that this is us this is who we are some of the things we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks are are values we hold deeply because they come straight out of god's heart they come straight out of god's word and you're going to be able to say yes this is us there's going to be other values we're going to speak about that are going to stretch us that are gonna make some of us feel uncomfortable, but if we are to be Jesus' church, his body, we don't define ourselves by who we wanna be, but by who he says he wants us to be. So, journey with us. Uh, I really pray that the next few weeks on invitation not to come to church, but to be the church. And that includes what we do here on the Sundays, that includes the ministries, includes what we do in life groups, and it includes when you go home. And when you go to work and when you go to school and when you go to varsity, because we are still church. So uh, just by way of bringing us into this morning's message, uh, I'm just going to admit to you, I'm, I'm 30, uh, almost 39 years old, and I'm starting to get really freaked out by some of the technological advancements we've had in the last few years. Uh, there are moments in my life where I've really wanted to, uh, you know, move to the trans sky and just own a few pigs and cows because that life will be easier without everything else that's been going on. Um, but then I do remind myself that I actually do enjoy online shopping and YouTube and Google Maps and uh, Kindle ebooks and instant access to information. Uh, so don't worry, I'm not going to go and live this technophobic hermit life quite yet. Um, but then also, I'm starting to realize, my boys are six and eight, that it is literally a matter of seconds before they will have greater mastery and control over technological things than I do. But then just to keep things in balance, I also remind myself that I have greater control and mastery over their pocket money and uh, access to my house and the food that I cook them. Um, So for now, things are in balance, but the time will come when I'll be very dependent upon them when it comes to these things. One of the technological advancements that has completely freaked me out, it came out last year, and uh, Google was displaying their product known as Google Assistant. The way it works is you say, I don't know how you speak to this thing, but you basically say, please book me a hair appointment, and that'll be you, not me. Um, <laughs> on Thursday, at such and such a place between 10 and 1, and, and this basically it's a, it's a robot, it's a software robot, will phone your hair shop of choice and have a conversation. Now, gone are the days when these digital robots sound like digital robots. In fact, they don't even sound like your Google Maps. They sound like us, including words like um and ah and thinking and pauses. In fact, one of the demonstrations, this assistant's robot phoned this Chinese restaurant to make a booking and the lady who answered the phone was clearly not very fluent in English. And nonetheless, this, this robot was able to have a conversation and, and just clarify, no, it's for seven, it's not for seven people. And have a conversation and then make the appointment and there it is in this calendar and this woman had no idea she was speaking to a robot. So Stephen, why does it freak you out so much? Because now you get to get Google to do your dirty work. You don't have to phone me or speak to me or send an email. You just get to say, Google, please phone Stephen and tell him that his sermon was absolutely horrible and that he should never wear that shirt again on stage. Um, So that's one of the reasons why that's freaking me out. But not only is the world around us changing so quickly, your world is changing so quickly. I spoke about this last week. I know many of you are getting so excited about getting married this year. But I know some of you, your marriage is on the rocks and you don't know where to go. Some of you are gonna be having babies this year and some of you are gonna be facing the loss of life this year. Some of you are looking to brand new business opportunities and some of you don't even know what's gonna happen to you financially this year. You might have heard the cliche that the only constant in life is change. And I want to push back against that because I want to say in the midst of everything that is changing around us, in the midst of everything that is changing within us, is there something we can hold on to? Is there a constant? Is there something reliable and trustworthy that in the middle of all of this, we can put our roots down and know we're secure and safe? We can experience life and stability in the midst of everything else. What is that thing? I know, I know some of you love change and embrace every new thing. I know some of you are maybe a little bit more change-averse than others, and I might be heading in that direction. But, but I would argue that, that if we're not rooted, if we're going to just get blown about, around by the winds of, of, of change and culture uh, within us and around us, We will not flourish. We will not flourish in this life. We will not flourish in the next. And and, and I'm convinced if we don't have an anchor and a rootedness in our lives, we will perish. So what is this thing? what is this foundation where can we go for stability and that is what today is about and i'm going to try answer the question by looking at colossians 2 if you have your bibles here switch them on turn the pages look in the index page look for the book of colossians in the new testament galatians ephesians philippians colossians that's where you'll find it chapter 2 verses 6 and 7 and i believe this verse is going to help answer that question But at the same time, we're going to allow this verse to kind of become a bit of a platform that's going to launch us into maybe answering the question more fully. So here, Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 7. So then, Paul's writing to a church, not just to individuals, to a gathered church. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, rooted and built up in Him. Strengthen in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Now this verse is saying so much. But one of the things this verse is saying is when we are living in this world of constant change, when you are living in this, the shifting sands of culture, there is a place that is ultimately reliable. There is a place that is ultimately constant and stable. And there is a place that is ultimately life-giving when nothing else is life-giving giving and that place is not a place it's a person and that person is Jesus Christ and this verse is saying put your roots down there if you want to know where your foundation is just to let you know I'm going to be mixing my metaphors a bit today uh, and the reason is because the Bible does so um, I I kind of I'm going to put the rootedness concept forward but I, I might talk about a foundation I might talk about being anchored these are all biblical metaphors that mean the same thing so put your roots down in Jesus is what this verse is saying. That's where you'll find ultimate stability and constancy and life. See, for years ago, we, um, so, so we live in Bracken and downs and the back of our back garden opens up onto the felts. There, where some of the dams are, we looked to Red on the other side there. And um, a number of years ago, we had a number of big bluegum trees that were starting to lift our wall and get into our pool. So we cut them down. This was before you know, people were concerned about the bees and all that kind of stuff. So we just ignorantly cut them down. Um, and we thought, job done. Changed our view a bit, but there we go. But guess what happened? A few years later, they grew back because that's what bluegums do. But the reason why they can grow back is because they have roots. See, not only do roots provide stability, they provide nourishment. And even though these blue gums were cut down, they could grow back. And now we've got a different problem on our hands. And this verse is saying, man, you need to put your roots down into Jesus. And even if life cuts you right down to the bare bones, you can grow back because you have roots in the point of life and the bread of life. And He can always grow you up from ground up. We believe that rootedness in Christ here as a church is the ultimate starting point. This verse says, receive Christ as Lord and then this language of being rooted in Him. See, we don't want you to be rooted in church. We don't want you to be rooted in worship. We don't want you to be rooted in spiritual gifts. We don't want you to be rooted in ministry, finding your identity in ministry and mission. We want you to be rooted in the source of all of those good things. See, all of those good things come out of the ultimate thing, which is Jesus. So ministry and mission come out of being rooted in Jesus. Being part of a local church come out of our mutual in Christness. And because I'm in Christ and you're in Christ, we are now part of, another metaphor, His body. And now we're the church. Spiritual gifts flow out of the roots. Purpose and and meaning and joy come out of the roots. And we're going to speak more about that later on. So what does it mean to be rooted in Christ? Is this just an idea how can we think about it more practically? And that's what I hope to flesh out for you this morning. So first of all, if we're gonna be rooted in Christ, I believe we need to be rooted in His words, rooted in His words. It, it, it's kind of alluded to in this verse, Colossians 2. Listen to what it says here. You're being rooted and built up in Him, that's Christ, strengthening the faith as you were taught. And whenever the New Testament uses the terms the faith, it means so much more than simply Christianity. It actually refers to that body of truths. Those things that make Christianity distinguishable from every other religion. That's the faith. And we need to be taught in the faith, says this verse. Which means we need to be using words. And if we want to know what the faith is, we're going to look at the words of Jesus and the words of God. That is how we're going to show and demonstrate our rootedness. Now, something has come out in Christian vocab in the last few years, which I'm totally behind Solid idea, maybe you've heard it, maybe you've said it, is that Christianity is not about religion. You've heard this? It's about relationship. And you know what? I would agree with you 100 percent. The Bible is against religion. If by religion, you mean dead adherence to laws and traditions as an end to themselves. The Bible would agree with you on that. But what some people mean as an outcome of, no, no, I'm about relationship and not about religion, people have made the observation that many religious people, just like in the New Testament with the Pharisees, many religious people love the Bible more than they love God. So many religious people have wielded the Bible as a weapon to injure as opposed to build up and build faith. So what many people mean as an outcome of what it means to be relationship-driven and not religion-driven is, well, we're going to avoid then that Bible thing. We're going to avoid doctrine. We're going to avoid truth. We're going to avoid discussions around the Word of God because I'm about relationship. Now, that kind of sounds appealing, right? So let's see how this fleshes out. Uh, If you're dating someone um, or you're married, and uh, I encourage you to go on a date. And at this date, I'm giving you the script. It's the best thing you can say. I want you to say to your girlfriend, boyfriend, husband or wife, say, listen, listen I just want us to prioritize our relationship above all things. I want to show you that our relationship is first. I want to show you that I'm with you because I love you, not because I have to. At this stage, if there ain't a ring on it, she's going to be expecting a ring on it any second. Right? So then you go on to say, you know, I'm putting our relationship first. Therefore, I'm not gonna, from this point onwards, I'm not gonna listen to a word you say. See how that works. Just by the way, if you haven't figured it out, that's horrible advice. Don't do that. Some of you are like, yes, Steve said, I can. No, no, no. Let's see how Jesus brings clarity to this. He says in John 15, In John 15, Jesus is talking about this rootedness in Him. He uses a different word. This time He uses the word remain in me or or abide in me. Same thing. Your ultimate existence is gonna be defined by finding your primary meaning in me. You're gonna be in me. And then He says this, it's only half a sentence, but you get the point. 15 verses seven, He says, if you remain in me, and He assumes my words remain in you, so if you are abiding in Jesus, or if you're rooted in Jesus, Jesus assumes, not Steve, Jesus assumes that His words will be in you. Because you love Him, and you do prioritize a relationship with Him. And therefore, you prioritize His mind, and His thoughts, and His will, and His desires, because you've received Jesus as Lord, right? Now, over the last 2,000 years, there have been just thousands of incredible thinkers, incredible, godly theologians and philosophers that have come to god 's word and have mined its depths. And if you go through church history, yeah, oh, there 's factions here and there, but there 's a highway of agreements. There 's a highway on here 's what is the main thing, here 's what we should agree upon, here 's what gives life, here 's what best represents God to the world. Some of you have walked into a Christian bookstore or gone onto YouTube or chatted to a friend and heard about a new author, a new pastor who's come up with a a brand new idea about God, a brand new idea about creation, A, a brand new idea about who God is, a brand new idea about how all of this is going to end. And I'm just going to say, if you come across that, close, just close that window, close the book, unless you know that you're discerning enough to be able to read through and sift through it and Maybe you educate yourself. Aside from that, if someone comes out and says, I've got, a, I've got a brand new way of understanding a brand new truth about God, 99.99999% of the time, they are wrong. See, one of the reasons why we need to be rooted in Christ's words is because they are a constant in the shifting world of culture. See, we've got a decision to make here. You can put your roots down in the shifting worlds of culture or you can put your roots down in the constant, unchanging words of Jesus. You can either bend Jesus' words to culture or recognise that Jesus' words speak to culture. You can either try and make His words relevant or you can show that His words are relevant. I mean, even now if you had to go just across South Africa and then go into other parts of Africa and go into the West and go into the East and the North and the South and just try and understand where culture is at, you're gonna get six billion different perceptions of where culture is at. So where do you put your root down then? Even if we isolate ourselves to kind of a culture and what's happening at the moment, if you're gonna put your root down in every new thing that culture gets upset about, the kind of the latest thing is toxic masculinity. I'm not saying they're completely wrong, but I'm saying, are we gonna let culture define masculinity or let the Bible define masculinity? If we always get upset about the latest thing culture is upset about, guess what's gonna happen? Two years time, I'm upset about something else. Two years time, I'm fighting for something else. Five years time, I'm fighting for something that flat out contradicts what I was so passionate about 10 years ago. Or we can put our roots down in Jesus' unchanging words that gives life and, yes, sometimes confronts and sometimes contradicts culture, but calls me to a new way of being, a new way of being light and salt in this world. That is the invitation before us. Now, I know that reading the Bible is not easy. And I know they're getting to grips with some of what it has, some of the the verses are so easy to understand. I I was reminded again this last week, uh, Peter in the end of of one of his books, he refers to Paul's writings as scripture. And 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 even Peter goes, I mean, Peter's an apostle. Peter wrote some of scripture and he says, man, I don't even know what Paul's talking about half the time. So I I kind of like feel okay about that. And I'm hoping that makes you feel a bit better about yourself. But we want to kind of still push you in. We want to allow you to take your roots deeper. Now, what I'm about to say doesn't apply to all of you, but most definitely applies to some of you. And I promise that I don't have any one or any 10 or any 20 individuals in mind when it comes to this. This book was written to a church and I believe you could say these words to any church and there'll be people to whom it applies. And, and I, maybe just God will show to you if this applies to you and it might come across like a, a gentle or maybe not a so gentle spanking. But... Um, I want to hear what the writer to the Hebrews says, what God says to us when it comes to those who have been Christians for a while and are not growing in their rootedness in God's Word. Listen to what he says. Hebrews 5 verses 11 to 14. He says, we've got much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you're so slow to learn. In fact, though, by this time, you ought to be teachers. But you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature. Milk is for the immature. Solid food is for the mature. Who by constant use, bold, highlight, underline, circle, constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. The biggest difference between milk and meat is milk goes down easy and quickly. Meat, you've got to think about how you're going to prepare it, how you're going to cook it. If you cook it badly, man, you're going to chew and chew and chew. You've got to cut and you're going to spend some time. One of my sons, I'm not going to mention his name because he might listen to this in a few years' time. Um, One of my sons is uh, uh, food-chewing-averse. Anything that requires any amount of chewing is like, pass. No, I promise you, you don't let him get away with that. Um, But the point is, chewing's hard. Chewing requires effort. Chewing requires time. Milk digests so easily and quickly. Meat sticks around forever, right? So now if if you're here and and you're a brand new believer and you're on milk, I want to say thumbs up. Carry on on milk. Let that milk nourish you. I also hope that in a few years' time, you're moving through milk onto the meat phase. But some of you have been Christians for a while and the Bible says to you this morning, man, you're slow to learn. You haven't got it to the point where you've matured, where by constant use, you're training yourself to read God's Word and distinguish what is good and what is bad. One of the ways that, you see, again, let's go to milk. What is milk? Oh, it's easy. So some of you, man, you've been Christians for dozens of years, but you've you got your handful of verses, and those verses are wonderful, but you've got the easy verses. You know, the memes that get posted around so easily and so quickly, but for you, your faith starts and stops there. Maybe a sign that you put a big boy pants on and actually take out a knife and fork, put a bib on because it's going to be messy. And actually get in touch with some real food and some steak. For some of us, it's, it's not so much about milk, it's about pre-chewed food. I've heard about um, the culture of Eskimos or Inuits is what they would prefer to be called. And uh, if I was an Inuit and you came round to my house, the way I'd uh, welcome you and, and show you that I'm so happy to have you with me is, is because you know they eat seals and stuff like that, is I would chew your food for you. That sounds awesome, eh? No one's coming to my house for lunch today. I would chew your food for you and then give it to you. And then basically all the hard work's been done. Now the way that works when it comes to God's Word is is some of us take what other people have chewed. Other people have taken God's Word and, and dived into it. And, and, and I just want to say, if your diet is exclusively other people's podcasts, other people's sermons, even this sermon, other people's books. Now, if you're not doing those things, I encourage you to do that. Read books, read great books, listen to great podcasts, listen to great sermons. But if your diet starts and stops there, you are exclusively on pre-chewed food. Why settle for the photograph when you can get to the real thing? Why, why settle for their ideas when you can come directly in touch with what grew and matured and nurtured and inspired them in the first place so that you can achieve the same growth and stability in your life? That's what we want to be as a church. And that's what we want for you because you are the church. So one of the ways we're going to really get practical when it comes to putting our roots down into God's Word is, is uh, we've got some very practical ways for you to read God's Word. They're gonna be available on the app if they aren't already. They're gonna be available online. Um, it's only some suggestions. There are other ways to do it. But I-, I want some of you to take a step of putting your roots deeper. One way to do it is to pick a, read the Bible in a year plan. There's dozens of plans. You can Google it for yourself. Otherwise, there are some that you put out for you. Basically, the idea is you read three or four chapters a day for often six days a week, so it gives you a break or a day to catch up. Um, that's one way of doing it, and there's a few available to us. Uh, another way of doing it is, is to take a book and just start a few verses a day. And just read through and take weeks, if not months, to get through one book. Take the book of John. Take the book of Ephesians, Galatians. Allow God to speak to you as you come in direct contact with meat. I heard of one pastor, a famous pastor, and this is a guy acquainted with deep study. And he took one chapter and studied one chapter, Romans 12, for the entire year in his personal devotion life. And he just felt God take him deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper until that was living and fire within him. So there's a number of ways of doing that. Uh, we also want to encourage you to, con- because now what do we do? Because I read some words and, and now what? Here's another practical tool for you. This is not the Bible says, this is just simply a practical tool. Why don't you try the HEAR method, H-E-A-R. So whether you're reading a few chapters or whether you're reading a few verses a day, um, just the way you would do that is you would have a journal. I always encourage you to have a journal with you, even if you don't really like it. It just helps you process your thoughts. And you write down H-E-A-R. H stands for highlight. So as you're reading your chapter for the day or as you're reading your few verses for the day, what stands out to you? Maybe open up your time. Just, God, show me what you want me to notice As you're reading, what seems to kind of jump out at you? What seems to become bold to you? Take notice of that. And then in your journal, write that verse out. Write those words out. Assuming that God is drawing your attention to something specific for you. That's H. E is explain. So now you've got the verse where you believe God is drawing your attention. E is where you're going to take that verse. You're going to unpack it. You're going to um, not see what it means to you. We're going to get to that. You're going to see what it means. What did the author mean when he wrote those words down? You're going to go, go maybe to the whole chapter. You're going to go to the verses before, the verses afterwards. You're going to try and understand the flow of thoughts. And then you're going to try rephrase that first. You're going to try almost as if you were explaining that verse to somebody else. You're going to try explain it. Point being, you're going deeper into it. Then A is you're going to apply. You're going to take a few minutes and you say, God, what do you want me to do now? Now that I've understood it, how does it change my life? What new thing does it say about you? What new thing do I need to be doing? I'm going to apply it, write those things down. And then R is your response that we say, God, this is what you've said. This is what you're calling me to. Now ask for your power, your spirit that you give me to, to enable me to live this word out. So we're not just hearers of the word, and half intended, we are doers of the word as well and that's where ultimate change happens all right so we need to be rooted in God's word but secondly coming back to everything that Daryl said and everything that we sang about this morning we need to be rooted in his love see it's not enough to know truth we also need to know God's love and not just know it with our minds we need to know it with our hearts We need to be rooted in His love. Listen to how Paul says this. And if you haven't noticed, this is fast becoming one of my favorite few verses in Scripture, Ephesians 3, verses 17 to 19. Again, Paul is praying for a church. This is what he wants for you. This is what he's saying. This is what, as I pray for you, this is what comes to mind. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, can you see that? May have power together with all the saints, life group, everyone sitting here, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. I've said this to you a number of times. There's two ways of knowing. I can know about Bianca or I can know her the way that I do. I can know about a steak. or I can eat the steak and know it differently. I can know about bungee jumping or I can actually bungee jump. When Paul says, I want you to know this love in a way that surpasses knowledge. The second kind of knowing is what he's referring to. and that you may be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God. Basically, Paul is saying, the most true thing I want to be true about you, I want you to know it, that you're loved. Going back to culture and the world around us, we are very familiar with love that demands something from us. We're very familiar with conditional love. We're very familiar with being loved when I'm on point. Being loved when I'm looking good, being loved when I'm eloquent, being loved when I'm fit, being loved when I've got lots of things, being loved when I've got lots of money, being loved when I've got lots of power. And we're so used to even close people turning on us when we fail to perform in those areas. And we give that to God and we say, God, I don't know if I'm into love. The other error when it comes to love is that we're used to sentimental love. A nice little soft thoughts that I just meant to make you feel good for about five seconds. But Paul is saying, here's what I want for you. When you wake up in the morning, <coughs> excuse me, before you've earned a cent, before you've got the test scores, before you've impressed anybody, before you put on makeup, before you've gone to the gym, before anyone has looked to you and made their conclusion about you, First thing in the morning, what I want for you is for you to get up and to know in the deepest part of your being that you are loved with a radical love and that somehow God is gonna grow this awareness in you, that you are gonna actually be given power because this doesn't happen on its own, that as you wake up, as you perceive yourself rooted in God's love, man just gets higher. And it just gets deeper and it just gets wider and it just gets longer and it keeps on happening. Man, I can't even begin to fathom God's love. Now you're actually beginning to understand it. That's what Paul wants for you. That's what I want for you. That's what God wants for you, to be rooted in His love. And thirdly, we need to be rooted in the gospel. we saying about this again today. You see, the gospel isn't just that God loves you, which is a beautiful, powerful thought. The gospel is what God did because He loves you. For this is love. Not that you loved God, but that He loved you, and here's the gospel, and gave His Son as its toning sacrifice for our sins. That ain't sentimental love. That's powerful, sacrificial giving of my all for you who do not deserve it kind of love. That is the gospel. Another way this comes out, and and Daryl opened up speaking to this, the book of Hebrews, um, just Hebrews 6 verses 19 to 20. Listen to being rooted in the gospel. We have this hope. As an anchor for the soul. There's a different metaphor, but for an anchor, this reference point, this point of stability for my soul, firm and secure, it, hope, enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. If ever there's a presentation of the gospel, that's it. See the Holy of Holies as we heard this morning is that place where God's presence is and in the Old Testament was a type, was a kind of foreshadowing of God's true manifest presence, the temple. And once a year a priest could go into the Holy of Holies but he had to atone for his sins first otherwise he would be struck dead. Only one person once a year could do that. You and I would never be able to do that. Jesus goes into not just the brick and mortar temple, he goes into the true manifest presence of God as our high priest in our place, doing what you and I could never do. Not only did he go as our high priest, he went as our sacrifice too. The perfect, unblemished sacrifice, and he took upon us the sinfulness that prevents us from getting into God's presence. And then he gives us the rewards and the life that he earned. That's the gospel. It's the gospel. Whenever we preach here on a Sunday, be it RPM or in the morning, doesn't matter what we speak about, Craig or I, or usually whoever's here is gonna point, whatever we're speaking to, back to Jesus. Why? Because you wanna keep the main thing, the main thing. We wanna major on majors and minor on minors. Some of you are like, Stephen, why don't you preach more on things like, you know, the things that really interest me like blood moons and the Nephilim and are Trump and Putin in the book of Revelation or not. All of those things make interesting coffee conversations. but when we take a side thing and make it a central thing from this platform, we are losing the opportunity to major on majors and minor on minors. Paul says in the book of Corinthians, and if you read the book of Corinthians, it's a long book. He speaks about any number of topics. But he says a number of times, one of the ways he says it is that I might know nothing among you, but Christ and him crucified. In other words, you can forget everything else I say. I want you to know Christ and him crucified. We're going to do that. We're going to do that by coming to the table just now. We're going to remind ourselves tangibly of the gospel Just briefly, before we go to the table, I I want us to notice just an an outcome or some of the fruits of a rooted life in Christ. As we as a church and you as individuals are, are rooted in Him, rooted in His Word, rooted in His love, and rooted in the Gospel. Let's go back to the verse we started off with. So then, just as you received Christ as Lord, continue to live in Him, rooted and built up and strengthened in the faith as you were taught. In other words, we don't just start with the gospel. We don't just start with Jesus. We grow with the gospel. We grow in Jesus. We put our roots deeper in order to be built up and to be strengthened. But then there's an outcome and it says, man, if you do this, you're gonna be overflowing with thankfulness. We're gonna be overflowing with many other things, many other fruits. this verse refers to thankfulness. Have you ever met a thankful person you don't like? Isn't there something about a thankful person, man, who looks at the darkest day and just sees light and life and what God's doing? Don't they rub off on you? I mean, I know a lot of critical people, I know a lot of grumpy people, and I see you on Facebook. Sometimes I'm the critical, grumpy person, so I have my hands up too. But man, When we put our roots into Christ, we're gonna not just show a little bit of thankfulness. We are going to be overflowing with some of the fruit that God wants in our lives. And here's the thing. If you want fruit in your life, and we could go on, thankfulness, humility. We could talk about gratitude, graciousness. We could talk about kindness and love. You don't get fruit by looking at the fruit. You get fruit by looking at the roots. And so as you put our roots into Christ's love and His words and His, His presence and His power, the gospel, we grow, we're strengthened, we're built up, Fruits fruit starts to come out. And we actually become, one of the statements for us as a church that is so foundational for us is we wanna be a church, this is us, that's for the world and for the King. See, when we're rooted in Christ, We're gonna be for the world because we're in the King and the King is for the world. But the more we're in the King, the more we rooted in Him, the more we're sucking up the nourishment of His Word and His life and His power and His gospel. We're gonna get built up and we're gonna be even more for the world. We're gonna be better equipped to be for the world. We're gonna be brighter lights in a dark world. We're gonna be saltier salt in a flavorless world. We're gonna be a more tangible presence of God's power in this world. So we're for the world. Why? Because we're for the King. This is one of the ways we do it. So at this stage, I want us to consider the gospel. One of the ways that God has shown us, he loves us. I know sometimes the feeling of love, we're gonna pray about this just now. Sometimes it's so elusive. And, and as we go and take the elements, the bread and the wine, the bread representing Christ's broken body for us and the wine, grape juice, is representing Christ's blood shed on the cross for us. As we take all these elements, we're gonna to actually touch these things. We're gonna put them in our mouths. We're gonna taste them. We're gonna actually metabolize these elements that refer to Christ's broken body for us. And as we consider our brokenness and his brokenness and also the life that he offers I want to invite us, just in your own time, take of the bread, take of the, the, the wine. And then I want to invite us into a time of prayer where we can now respond. And we can now uh, uh, commit ourselves in many ways, but also receive from God in many ways because communion is about receiving and you know, to perform. You're here this morning and you're not a believer. This is something for believers. And the reason is because uh, otherwise you're just sticking bread in your mouth and grape juice in your mouth. That doesn't really mean anything. Bible says that we need to be very cognizant of the body of Christ. We need to understand ourselves, understand what God is saying, what God is doing, where I'm at. We need to take stock of my life, stock of my sin, stock of where I am with Jesus, receive grace, and then move forward from a place of grace. Let's pray, Father, we're going to come to your table We have demonstrated your love. And even now, I pray that you are speaking louder than the last 30 minutes that Stephen has been speaking, that you're inviting us to be rooted in Christ and rooted in your words and your love and the gospel. Prepare us, Holy Spirit, to receive grace from you, to receive gifts from our loving Father as we look at the God who gave everything for us. The music's gonna be playing gently in your own time. Go and take the elements, go back, take of them and then we'll pick up from there and pray together as a church. Thank you. And I wonder if you've noticed the invitation of God this morning in your life. I wonder if you've noticed what God, not with me, what God has highlighted in your life. I wonder if you noticed the invitation to go deeper. I wonder if you've noticed the invitation to take the roots of your life and put them deeper into Him. For some of you, the invitation is to get them into, get deep into His words. This is not to get brownie points with God and hope that He notices when you read the Bible. Jesus said about His words, John 6, 63, My words are spirit and they are life. Maybe today you've heard the invitation to receive life by putting your roots into the words of life, who is the Word of God. It's going to warn you eating meat isn't easy. Some days you're going to come away feeling so fed and so inspired, and some days you're going to feel like chewing and chewing and chewing and chewing. Persevere. God's growing maturity in you, He wants to take you deeper. For some of you, the invitation is into His love. You know a lot of things about God. It's been a long time since you've felt His love. And yes, I said the word felt. It's been a long time since you've felt rooted, established, and ultimately defined by His dimensionless love. That's you, just just acknowledge that before God. Yes, God, that's me. I want to pray for you in a second, For some of you, it's the gospel. The gospel is something that you fell in love with five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 40 years ago. God doesn't want you to somehow graduate from the gospel. He wants to remind you that you're going to be strengthened and built up in the gospel. He's brought you back to the table this morning. Some of you here this morning, and I always trust God to do the absolute miraculous. Some of you this morning walked in and you're like, I don't know about this church thing. I don't know about this God thing. I don't know what I'm doing here. You came in not rooted in Christ and and this morning you're gonna walk out rooted in Christ. You've heard what God has done because He loves you. You've heard what the Christian life is about, defined by love and grace and truth and fruit. And and you will know if God's been speaking to you in this way, He's been speaking to you, inviting you in to, to Accept him as Lord and take your roots out of everything else you've trusted to define you today. You put your roots in him. We pray for you. If you have said yes to any one of those things, this is a sign of commitment. There's nothing magical about this. I want to ask you to raise your hand. Yes, God, you have spoken clearly to me. I've heard your invitation. And I want more, I want to go deeper. I want to be rooted. You can put your hand up, you can put it down, you can keep it up. Man, you can get on your knees, get on your face. God, I I wanna go deep in your word. I wanna go deep in your love. So Father God, I pray for those who have heard the invitation into your words, Jesus. And I pray that as they uh, go deeper in putting roots into your words, that you would grow them, that you would mature them. That they would experience perseverance, but also the beauty and the wonder of being in direct contact with your words that are life. God, give them eyes to see as they come to your word, things that they haven't seen before. Teach them, Holy Spirit. Show them who you are. Let them see the words of Jesus so we can see those things in Jesus. Open their eyes. God, I want to pray for those who are here this morning and they've recognized I know a lot of things about God. It's been a long time since I've known the love of God. God, I'm going to ask you to do something that only you can do. My words cannot manufacture this. I'm asking that today, even now, you unlock heaven and soak us with your love. That we can walk out today knowing your love. Knowing that the truest thing about me is that I'm loved. That my head knows it, but my heart knows it. My my spirit knows it and rejoices. God, would you do that? That's you. Just put out your hands and I'm just going to ask you to say, Lord, I, I receive your love. This is a gift given. God, climb those mountains. Break down those lies. Break down those walls in order that we might experience your love. And God, I pray for the truth of your gospel that if anyone here is choosing today the first time in their lives to put their roots down in the gospel, Holy Spirit, I pray that that you would seal that and that today life has been formed. A seed has gone in and roots are starting to go down. And that you will nurture and bring life to this new moment. And if that's you, ask you again just in surrender to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you have made me alive. Thank you that my roots are in you. I receive grace. I receive your love. I receive your presence. Church, I just want us to kind of have a perforated ending here. Some of you need to run out and maybe go get your kids, go for it. But maybe as much as is possible, just allow God to continue working with some of us. The way you can participate in this is maybe by staying in your seat and, and just praying for God's work to continue. Maybe you're sitting there and you feel God prompting you to go speak to someone. Just pray for them. You might know them. You might don't, not know them. How can I pray for you and pray for them? As for the rest of us, if if you feel like God has spoken to you and you just want the body of Christ to come around you and, and pray into this and just be part of your journey, I want to invite you in this time, come forward. And there are those leaders and part of the prayer team in this church that just want to come to your left, come to your right, and just pray that God continues His work in your life. So guys, let's have this perforated ending and uh, allow God to continue working. May God bless you and uh, we'll see you guys in ministries and life groups and ultimately see you next week. Thank you.